0: Red Kite Prayer is hosting its first ever event October 12th through 14th, 2018, the Red Kite Rendezvous. The two and a half day event will feature bikes from some of the industry's top frame builders, two gravel rides, some of the world's finest craft beers which are brewed locally, plus enough food to make the pedaling fun. For more information or to register, go to redkiteprayer.com store. The Pace Line is supported by LEL Cycling. The coast is calling. LEL's shore collection embodies the spirit and style of the California coast. All LEL products are crafted in Southern California for shipment worldwide. Now, on to the show. Hi, Pace Liners. Uh, It's your man, Padraig. And I, um, holy cow. How about cut? No'm I'm, I'm, I'm rolling with this. We're going now. no, no I can't say it's gonna get any better, but this is what happens when you have the one of the greatest days of riding in your life and the greatest two days of riding in your life. Yeah, I keep talking about the grasshoppers. You folks need to come out for this. We just finished the Mendo hopper. two days of riding in Mendocino County. Dirk, what did I do? 150 miles?
1: 150.
0: And then about 15,000 feet of climbing? Please. And I think I've burned something like 12,000 calories. Sure, we'll go with that. And I can't stand. I, I, it's not, I can't stand something, it's just I can't stand. He, he can't stand, he's in his chair. He's, yeah. He's, he's, he's there. Okay, well, I guess I'll be discussing with this with Celine soon enough. All right. Bye-bye. red kite prayer this is the Paceline, line the podcast on two wheels i'm patrick brady and with me is my co-host celine Yeager, aka the fit chick of bicycling magazine each week we take a different look at how facets of cycling fit into our lives how goes it, celine
1: it is going uh pretty well patrick it's it finally stopped raining rivers from the sky here so. oh well, that's a pleasant change yeah uh <laughs> it is if you if it's been it's it's been a really 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 strange august for us here like it will be sunny and then i'm not kidding like it looks like a river is pouring from the sky um for a while and then it stops but now it's just 92 degrees and humid so it's normal <laughs> It's normal again it's
0: fine <laughs> oh man uh yeah, well, yeah, what whatever summer we got has broken already. Um I was a bit cooled by the time I was leaving the Dirt Crits last night. Um
1: Really?
0: Yeah, it was uh yeah, I mean, you know, short sleeve jersey, kind of wet from sweaty. Um also had some time to cool down cuz it was the end of season barbecue we had. Um right. And uh I had to tuck my trophy into my jersey cuz I got a trophy. you got a trophy (laughs) i got a trophy um
1: what what was the trophy for
0: (laughs) well i managed to win the c category for the series uh which is say i was the fastest of the really slow guys
1: that's sweet that you know you don't have to qualify it you don't have to qualify it i'm a i'm a A win is a win a w is a w that's cool (laughs) Yeah, it was. Do you have to move up? I mean, you—is it that kind of a thing that you can't be a C anymore? Well, you know, the funny thing is, are you a sandbagger?
0: uh, Okay, so I'm gonna move up because (laughs) that's the reasonable thing to do. Okay, that's the decent thing to do. Uh, I don't want to get called sandbagger, but I mean, let's be honest. I'm 54, and if I upgrade now. I'm only going to downgrade in two or three more years. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it'd be nice if I could pull out, you know, four or five or six years in the B's, but I'm mostly just going to be in the way of the A's because they run the A's and the B's together. Uh, Oh,
1: okay. Okay. And so
0: one of the reasons I've been in no rush to move up aside from a 50% longer race is the simple fact that I just don't want to be in the way.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, uh,
0: but that's, that's coming from me and I have, yeah, I've promised everyone I'm going to get out of the way and go to the bees and then have even slower lap times. Cause I got to do uh, 50% more laps.
1: Yeah, 50% more fun.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Something like. (laughs) (laughs) And I think uh, later on in the show, I'll get to talk about, yeah, the the more fun, uh, the more distance or more length as more fun concept. Um, Ah, yes. Yeah, but hey, uh, so you've been talking to somebody who's pretty interesting. Tell us about this.
1: I have. So um, I got this giant silver cookbook that you can see, but uh, you know our audience will have to go online to see. It is a it is a giant hardcover, um, very, very heavy eat, race, win cookbook. It um, looks like
0: a textbook.
1: Yeah, it it, it, it kind of does. And it, it does not read like a textbook, but it is it is very informative. It's got a lot of information in it. Anyways, by this woman, Hannah Grant. Um, Hannah was hired by Bjarne Reese in 2010 to cook mm-hmm. for his team. Uh, they, he, Bjarne was just tired of the crap that the team was eating and their stomach troubles and all the stuff that comes along with uh, endurance racing. So I hired Hannah. She spent the next five years uh, on board cooking for the Pro Tour riders. And she generated a, one book out of that that was called Grand Tour Cookbook. And it was really focused on race food, right? Like, what you're eating while you're racing—that that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, then this book, as she talks about uh, in some of our conversation, you know, she says this book is everything that the Grand Tour cookbook is not. You know, so she wanted a a long view book where uh, athletes could take come into it wherever they are, whether they're off season, whether they're competing, you know, wherever they are, and 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 come into the book and find. Useful information because most things are just focused on like this is what you eat during competition and she's like well it's seasonal right you eat differently in December than you will in August I do so uh, I this mean, book is I actually broke yeah 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 and this book is actually broken up into seasons that way and talks about the seasonality of food and sort of the importance of that and it it's pretty cool and she did it with uh Dr Stacy Sims who mm-hmm. I have worked extensively with I have you know I did a book called Roar with Dr Sims on women's specific physiology and nutrition. Uh, Stacy brings a scientific bent to the book. You know, so, as Hannah will tell you when you talk to her, she's like, I am a chef. I have a lot of experience. But when reporters like myself ask her questions, she feels like she's not qualified necessarily to answer the science piece. So she brought Dr. Sims in to give validation to a lot of the things that she just did intuitively, if you will. And Stacy, you know, layered on some science to that. So it's, So it's pretty cool that way. Um hey. Hannah also has, which I have not looked at yet, and I, I'd like to check it out, they put together an Amazon Prime series that follows her crew as they cook for the tour riders for the 2017 tour. And I think that would, might be pretty cool to check out. Ooh. And that's called a Eat, Race, Win as well. Okay. So uh, this book landed on my desk, I'm like, she would be a great person to talk to because you know, I've been riding for bicycling for 20-some years, for a long time. And the nutrition thing, A, it's the thing I still screw up the most and struggle with in big races and events. And it's it's kind of like one of the number one questions I get. I mean, people are infinitely curious about what they should be eating mm-hmm. and infinitely troubled by what they're eating. So I just uh, sat down on Skype with Hannah. She's super awesome. She's got this great Dutch sort of accent. She's just—I just really like her a lot. She's a little rock and roll, um, but I asked her, you know, like what she learned on the road, uh, her perspective uh, on why nutrition is so difficult for so many people, and I really appreciated um, a lot of her insights. And some of it, like I had thought of it, some of them I had thought of, and others were were very smart and common sense. But it never occurred to me. Like she talks about how. It's not surprising that athletes have such a hard time feeding their bodies appropriately and listening to their bodies and giving their bodies what they need because we spend a lot of time as athletes overriding all of our body signals. Your legs are screaming at right. It's so intuitive. Yep. Your legs are screaming Do you to stop, and you're just like, "Shut up, legs!" You know, and you just keep going. You're you're dying inside. You're blind with whatever, but you you just keep going to make it to the finish line. So we're so used to that, mm-hmm. and we're so used to going to these extremes to reach our goals. You know, especially out on course or when we're training, that that becomes our default. So it makes sense then that. And now we, the body's telling us to like, hey, I need sugar or hey, I need whatever. And we're just like, eh, whatever, you know, like we just. Right. We don't. Yeah. So it, it was really interesting to listen to her perspective on that. And um, we have a little piece here and we can talk about some of it that I thought was super interesting um, after we give a listen to to what she said. I, You know, I just asked her a couple of entry questions out of the gate. It's pretty yeah. cool. OK, here we go. What is it about nutrition that is such an enormous struggle for active people I mean like it's a constant problem
2: yeah well i think there's 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 uh, a few issues to that and and for sure in my opinion one of them is that there are so many there are so many conflicting options to choose from like, should I be keto? Um,
1: should I be keto, Hannah? Or should I be ex- paleo? Or should I be a vegan paleo? I'm not sure.
2: Exactly. But my exactly. friend is
1: a vegan paleo, and they are doing amazing. Like, it, like I, you hear this all the time, right? It's
2: it's, it's crazy. And, and I think the, the the major issue is that people tend to think there's a quick fix solution to their performance, to their health uh, in general. and by changing a diet, you know, oh, I'm going on a juice diet, and then I'm going on the anti inflammatory, uh, raw food, low carb uh, diet, I don't understand why I'm so tired when I'm running 20 miles. You know, <laughs> it's, 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 it's crazy. It's because I think uh, what I hear from a lot of people is they're trying to do too much at the same time, um, trying to cleanse at the same time as going vegan and training for an Ironman. Uh, it just doesn't work, right? You have, to, you have to either or, and you have to understand that food is not, it's not something you do for a short while. It's not a diet. It's something you do long-term. And so for most people, if, I mean, a lot of people starting up training, um, they want to lose some weight you know, no one gained 30 pounds overnight. Right. So, so I think the the misunderstanding is that you can shed those 30 pounds in two weeks and get ready and get fit. And then you can, you know, do your Ironman and you can just do it on a juice diet. It's just, there's just too much crazy going on because you see these extreme um, personalities that go mm-hmm. and they do ultra running and this is a question I've had m- many times um, and that I've spoken to Stacy about. Is also, um, can you ride the Tour de France or a Grand Tour like that uh, vegan? And Stacy says, um, theoretically, you probably can, but you're going to destroy your system so much because there's no way you can recover fast enough being a vegan under that much pressure over that long of a period of time. Mm-hmm. So, as she said, you probably can, but it's not something that she would ever recommend. I mean, because where are you going to get? As she said, it's it's the thing you can't uh, go. You can't push your body uh, being on the bike six to seven hours a day and get off the bike and expect it to recover only from vegan protein every single day for three weeks it's just it there's no way you can eat that much and absorb that much um under that amount of pressure so it's it's for those you know, three weeks exactly i mean if if you're doing an ironman it's a different situation because you're not doing an ironman every day for three weeks right um so it's it's just there's so many different uh factors to it and i think um yeah it's it's the whole diet jungle is crazy, and what I think most people lack is uh, the understanding that common sense is a huge factor in in sustaining a stable energy level and eating you know fueling right and it's the no fanatic approach to food that I think people need to understand. It's impossible to be one hundred percent on top of your game all the time you don't wake up feeling kapow every day going on a strict regime diet you know it's just not possible there's the you have to have room for flexibility depending on your mood you know your body is tired you have to listen to your body and I think that's what a lot of athletes they do wrong is they simply they're so used to overruling all the signals that the body sends when it's mm-hmm. tired, fatigued, it's screaming for a rest day um, yeah. or, or you're trying to starve yourself because you want to lose a little bit of weight up to a race. And it's just, I think, um, this is what I can see from the pro riders that I've worked with is that you have to, you have to sometimes allow yourself the, the freedom of relaxing also Mm -hmm. diet-wise. So, because if you keep on restricting yourself from everything, at a certain point, it's going to crack. It's not, you know... um, So, you get the the 80-20% split, I think, works really well, where you give yourself room to have a treat once in a while, whether, you know, some people's um, uh, what do you say, like uh, uh, crack... (laughs) Uh can be uh, brownie or chocolate or, you know, it's just you have to give yourself the allowance or the treat and the carrot um, mm-hmm. once in a while to make it worth it. Um, and I think that's how you sustain, you know, the correct diet over a long period of time by not going extreme in any way.
1: All right. So that was a little bit of Hannah. I thought... I thought a lot of that was really interesting, I mean, you know, as I mentioned, she had talked about like you know type A athletes and overriding all their body signals and all that stuff, and you know I was really i was interested to see what you thought about her vegan commentary i was that that took me a little bit by surprise that um she doesn't have an overriding philosophy that I can tell on diet except common sense and seasonality but when yeah. you know when she started talking about how Neither her nor Stacy really thought that somebody could successfully do the Tour de France vegan. I thought that was interesting uh, and i and i and it got me thinking, is there any I don't even do you know any pro tour all right, vegan riders? I mean that we know I mean I know Ironman and she says, sure, Ironman you can do, but you're not doing twenty of them. you know you're not like right. you're not doing a day after so right. it was interesting. I I recall that there
0: are some vegetarian. I don't recall if there are vegan pro tour writers in my mind, when I gather this information, I've the big dividing point, the continental divide for me is between meat and not whether you're, you know, vegan or just, you know, lacto, whatever. Uh, I don't, as I'm classifying in my head, just for basic memory, I don't, I don't really divide between vegan and whatever else, um, though maybe I should. But yeah, that was that was particularly interesting to me. What I most liked about her was, as you mentioned, just so common sense. Just yeah. it's all about taking care of your body and that taste. That having food that you like Such to eat is mm-hmm. a big piece of making sure that you will take care of your body. You know, eliminating that crazy behavior of putting sugar in everything—that floored me. I I yeah. wasn't aware that that was such a practice. I I mean, I didn't gag or anything, but I was like, oh, nasty.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty it's pretty it's pretty crazy. I mean, and and I, I it makes a lot of it. You know, the more I thought about it, made a lot of sense. Again, you go. Like there's such extreme personalities doing such extreme things mm-hmm. and they also tend to do a lot of extreme denial, right? So if you're like, yeah. try, everyone's so weight obsessed and trying to lose weight and cutting back on pretty much everything. And there was one point she's you know, talking about like guys that are putting like 10 packets of stevia in their oatmeal because they're so sugar deprived that they just want something so extremely sweet, yeah. you know, like that'll be a longer conversation. But I was just like, oh my, that's terrible. And, and and also just – and I say this all the time. Um, we are not – and I'm guilty of doing this too. Like we always use the car analogy. Your body is like a car. You put fuel in it, blah, blah, blah. And that's true <laughs> to a point. But we aren't like a car that you can't predictably put the exact same fuel in us day after day and we're going to respond the same way. Like we actually yeah. don't work that way. Yeah. And, and the and you've probably had it i mean palate fatigue is a real thing like when oh. you're when you have to eat so many calories and you can't stand to stuff another whatever in your face it's really important that it's palatable it's really important yeah. that it's something that you want to eat cuz your mood also affects which we don't i think give it enough credit to your mood affects your serotonin your mood affects your immunity your you know like and these yeah. guys are already immunocompromised. You start getting into a bad place with your your moods and you're not now you're not eating. I mean, it's just it creates a spiral that, you know, you're sick now. All of a sudden you can't. It's it makes a lot of sense, like a lot of what she just said. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's funny how common sense can be so uh, such Uncommon. a revelation, yeah. you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, the first time I encountered palate fatigue, you know, I didn't have that phrase yet. I'd never sat yeah. down and talked with Alan Lim. He was the first person who ever used oh, yeah. that phrase in my presence. And when he said it, I instantly knew what he was talking about yep. because I'd, I'd experienced it. But the first time I experienced it, it's was like, what the hell is wrong with my body? What is going on here? I can't take this. And it was a, a, a flavor that I liked. But I thought if I have any more of this, I might not ever like this flavor again. Um <laughs> So, you know, that was, that was a real problem for me. And then, yeah, the psychological aspect, uh, the way it compounds beyond the fact of, you know, if you like how it tastes, you'll be able to eat more of it to be able to better fuel yourself to perform well. But yeah, if you're in a bad mood, uh, you're not going to eat as well. I mean, think about, you know, for anyone who's ever suffered depression, you know, mm-hmm. when you're depressed... Uh, eating gets thrown really off. Sometimes you are just completely without any appetite whatsoever. And so to think about, you know, pro level riders and, you know, or we can just completely dispense with that. Just you trying to get through your day to day life. You know, if you're having any sort of upset in your life at all and still trying to function as an athlete so that you can hopefully claw yourself out of whatever it is you're experiencing well, it's going to be that much harder if you're busy digging a hole, you know, where you're not recovering because you you haven't fueled yourself well enough yet.
1: Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So uh,
0: I just, yeah, I, I loved her perspective. It was so down to earth. And, you know, so often when you get these really prescriptive things of, you know, three bushels of this and two cups of that, <laughs> and I, I'm like, dude, I'm out. I can't keep track of that. You know, yeah. I... I'm just trying to set my alarm correctly, you know <laughs> it's like i it's more than yeah. I can handle
1: yeah, so. no i i I liked her I like her approach a lot too and and the cookbook is um it it does quite a bit of that where she she gives advice on mostly like protein and vegetables because as she says, uh, those are the things that people kind of screw up, you know. They don't like they don't like vegetables because they just don't know how to cook them. That they aren't terrible. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. she makes sure to spend a lot of energy on that and on making really delicious proteins. And she's like, everybody knows how to boil noodles, right? Like, so you throw your so- soba noodles, or you're right, whatever your preference is. Yep. Like carbs are the easy part, and you add them as you need them because it's seasonal. You know how how many you need and that kind of thing. So it it's just like a really interesting a- approach that. Uh, that yeah. I thought was yeah uh, super useful for a lot of people.
0: And so sometime in the next week uh, we will have the entire interview up on RKP uh, as a PaceLine Tandem episode. So the whole interview was very nearly an hour if I recall correctly. Fascinating yeah, it's about stuff. 50 minutes. Yeah. And so we will this was just an excerpt and we'll have the whole thing coming up sometime in the next week.
1: Sweet. Yeah. What do you have for us? I know that you were busy this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way of putting it. Yeah, this
0: is, it's funny. This is one of the weirder weeks of my cycling life. I, I, I'm i am not exaggerating here. You know, last night, as I mentioned, I won the Dirt Crit Series here in Santa Rosa. Uh, only the Seas, and I am I am proud to be humble about this, you know, there were guys last night who were ultra, ultra quick. And I am not in that class of rider, but you know, for a bunch of people who aren't all that fast, it was fun to go out and, you know, occasionally rub an elbow with somebody and just have fun out there. And the fact that I got to make all of the dirt crits this year was really, that was a real high point for my summer, just being home more. And I, I loved that. Um, but That's not what made this weird. It's because that stood in such incredible contrast to the fact that I am completely shredded from last weekend. For the first time ever, the Grasshopper Adventure Series hosted a two-day event. Normally, grasshoppers are like every other bike event that you go to, and they're one day. You know, you go, you ride your bike, you go home. This one was different. We began in Ukiah up in Mendocino County. Went north through Willits, then on through the Redwoods and dropped into Fort Bragg. We camped out on the beach in Fort Bragg, watched the sunset, hang out with people, drinking beer. Oh, my gosh. It was so great. Got up in the morning, got in our bikes, rode back to Ukiah. Sounds easy, right?
1: Well, no. <laughs> Sounds cool. <laughs>
0: um You know, for folks who want the full download on my experience, there will be a link uh, to my piece about this in our show notes. Uh, You know, I'm not really here wanting to dwell on the specifics of the course. That'll be in the post. It's enough to say that this was hands down, absolutely, unequivocally, the hardest two days of riding in my life. I've done plenty of one day rides that were harder than either of those days. And I've done mm-hmm. my share of stage races and Omnia, but I've never had two back-to-back days that, there was, that were this stubbornly difficult. It was north of 15 hours on the bike, and more than 40% of the riding was on dirt. So what I'm saying is this was just stupid hard. I napped yeah. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. <gasps> and yet... This is one of the two or three best events I have ever done. I am I'm just beaming with familial love for my fellow cyclists who went out and did this thing. There were 70 some of us. And you know, for that reason it it you there were know, 70 feel, of you. 70?
1: 70? Yeah, seems kind of small. Are they, are they usually that size? Uh
0: no, normally grasshoppers are bigger than this. There were 110 signed up. And my feeling is that because of the Mendocino complex fire, not very far away, some people just chose not to show up, partly out of concern for air quality. As it happens, the way the wind was blowing, we didn't have any problem with the air at all until you were literally rolling into the parking lot at the finish. Mm. And even that air was not bad. Um, a lot of us get pretty PTSD ish when we smell anything that smells like a campfire. Uh, it's, I, I, I don't do well with that anymore and I'm not sure if it will ever come around, but the, uh, yeah, the, so this was, you know, the first time he's done a, a two day grasshopper, 110, not a big group of people, But also, you know, it was capped at a certain size. I'm not sure what the cap was. They didn't want this to be too big because they were providing, you know, a dinner and a breakfast and securing all the campsites for us. Um, There was a level of logistics here. Also, transporting all the luggage uh, to the campsite. Oh, yeah,
1: for a two-day event.
0: Yeah, so, you know, I I think Miguel and his wife, Tara, I think they were pretty okay with the size. Um, Cool. It was certainly, you know, for us riding out of Fort Bragg on the bike path, if it had been two or three times that size, there would have been people uh, out for a nice morning stroll on the bike path in Fort Bragg who may not have been all that thrilled with us. Yeah. So there's that to consider. Um,
1: Cool. But, you know, it was a great weekend.
0: Yeah, the, th- the thing about it is, you know, I feel like this was one of those things that for once really served to build bike culture. You know, yeah, there were people going crazy fast, but, you know, we still pulled over for a neutral pee. You know, hanging out with people after day one was over and, you know, sharing some beers. You know, it was a nice, uh, relaxing time you know, where that, that whole, uh, competitive urge thing was, was, you know, put at bay. And I'm, I'm wondering, you know, because I, I really gravitate toward any event that I feel serves to build culture as opposed Mm to, uh, personal glory. I'm wondering how much of this has to do with everything, everyone being on the road at the same time, rather than sequences of fields, you know, going off separately at some office park crit and how much of it has to do with serving food so that you have a chance to hang out with the other riders and how much of that warm feeling you have for other riders is because you just shared this amazing experience of riding a stupidly hard course instead of doing a billion circles around a bunch of office buildings. You know, when it comes to really building culture, what is it that does it for you, Celine? Where where do you see it? Where, you know, what are the things that you file under your column for a win?
1: So this is, it's so interesting that you, you say this because um, I think that's why I've always gravitated towards mountain biking, um, even since early on for the races and stuff, because mm-hmm. That is just something that's inherent to uh, mountain bike racing, um, especially long, the longer stuff like the hundred milers and and all that. Like, that's what those are all about. I mean, everybody's just out there, and it's it's you against your competitors, yes, but it's also you. It's mostly you against the 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 elements, the course, the the all the stuff, and you you have this incredible shared adventure out there. And you know, and, the, and that's the best part of the whole day. Everybody loves it. When you're mm-hmm. all done and you're knackered and you're having a beer and you're buzzing with endorphins and satisfaction and everybody is just talking, uh, telling the war stories about their day. You know, what they saw, what they did. Oh, Bernie got hit by a deer. Did you hear that? They have such and such, like crazy yep. things that, ha- you know, that happen. And I think that a lot of these gravel things are the same way. Like people, do, they just cannot get enough of the congregating afterwards I mean even after that crazy Michigan ride I did I mean people are finishing at three in the morning and all they still want to do is hang out and talk about it right <laughs> they, 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 they don't right they don't want to go to like they think the first thing they want to do is be like I gotta collapse but like they everybody just wants to sit and just keep talking about their day and because yeah. I think it's it is that because with a crit it is just more you against everybody else right it's a, that's yep. pure competition that is yeah. pure. Uh, race for race sake
2: competition
1: mm-hmm. and the kind of stuff that you are talking about and the larger, you know, even, a, even it doesn't have to be dirt. I know we always talk dirt because there's maybe more of an adventure element to it, but even just a very long Fondo, I think can bring that out in people because it you're still, you're going somewhere and it's really hard. And, and at some point it is just everybody seeing what they can do. On yeah. it, with this very challenging situation, and it, it's it's just you are you're more comrades than anything else. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's just this great shared experience, and that that builds culture much more than I'm going to beat the crap out of you going around thirty, you know, a four cor- corner crit thirty times. <laughs> yep. it, it, you know, it just does. <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't build as much culture. It's funny we have. Um, um, do you know who Bobby Lee is? The, oh yeah, he, oh yeah, yeah. Olympian. Okay, so. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well he's a friend and kind of a neighbor almost. I mean we I just rode with him today. Uh he's gotten into mountain biking recently and it's kinda of funny because he just keeps like he's like, Oh my, they hang out and talk. He's <laughs> like we get done and everybody and it's just it's so funny. And he's just like Instagramming it. He's just like this is amazing. Like people are they're they set up a table at their at their cars and they don't like they don't immediately get in their cars and leave. You know, they Everyone's just chill and hang, and I'm like, "Welcome to 1994, Bobby." Yes, like this is the you know. <laughs> While you were track racing, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I'm going to the Olympics. I, you know, we'll give you that credit. But seriously, like it's it is. I've always found that to be just a more inherent, and I think it is. It's not to just on roadies or, or or that kind of racing, but that kind of racing does not build that same experience. It's just not inherent in it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That might be an interesting interview for you to do is, you know, take him out for a a, a big group ride or or take him to some mountain biking event and then just sit down and interview him afterward and and get him to talk about, you know, the stark difference between what his cycling life has been up until now.
1: Yeah, that would be, you're right. That could be really interesting. It could be pretty illustrative. It's apparent that it's very, very different. (laughs) And he's just like, you know, he just did Leadville. He's just, he's all in now. Oh, that is terrific. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the reason I want to keep talking about this is because there really is, you know, something tangibly different. And it's like we don't quite yet have the vocabulary to define all of what makes it different and makes these different experiences uh, psychologically more successful for us. You know, mm-hmm. they 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 register more on, you know, Maslow's scale of peak experiences, you know, stuff that you think back on. It's like that was a day. Right. There are there are two crits in my life that I think back on. He's like, yeah, that was a day. And, you know, yeah, I, I won both of them. You don't win well, most yeah. <laughs> crits that you enter, you know. And so why would you mem remember them?
1: Unless so. you crashed or somebody, cr- you know, like. Okay. The yeah. other reasons to remember them.
0: Right, 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 right. But it takes something out of the ordinary. You know, 90% yeah, yeah, of sure. everyone's experience at a crit is being pack fodder. You know? You gotta yeah. have you gotta have enough of a pack so that somebody feels like they really won something.
1: <laughs> Fair. Yep.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh I I can't wait to do more stuff like this. Although the funny thing is, I was just talking with somebody last night saying you know, I adored this event, but honestly, from a training standpoint, uh, trying to be fit enough—and I mean, I was right at the threshold. So, were they, you
1: going really fast? Were you pushing? Was the course just so demanding that no matter what you did, it would have taken all that out of you? Do you know what uh, I mean? Like sometimes <laughs> I, I do an event and I'm 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 crushed because I crushed myself. Yeah. And sometimes I do an event and I'm crushed because the thing was just crushing. No matter what you would have done. This, it, it would have been a crushing event, you know. Yeah,
0: this was a little column A, a little a column B. It really okay. was. I mean, at one point, I remember. So there, there was on day two, there was this road climb coming up to checkpoint two, and I had to be to checkpoint two, uh, the second, the second rest stop. I had to be there by three o'clock because they were going to close this gate to low gap road, the dirt road that was going to take us all the way back to Ukiah, Uh, something like an 11 mile descent once you were up on top of it, but you had to climb some more to get to the top of it. And I'm looking at the clock and it's counting down and it's getting close to three o'clock and I'm, I'm now racing. I'm killing myself to do everything I can. And at one point I looked up and the road had just kind of flattened out some from a really steep section. And I'm looking at it, I'm going, man, that looks so much more reasonable. That <laughs> it looks, you know, it looks like it's only four or five percent. But given everything else I've been writing today, I bet that's not four or five percent. And so I scroll through my GPS and I get to the page that has the current gradient. It was nine and a half percent.
1: Oh wow. <laughs> that's yeah. different. Yeah, yeah, that's a bit different. You know,
0: when when nine and a half percent starts to look reasonable.
1: Right, <laughs> I got you. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but I That's mean, funny. even the people who were who were finishing closer to five hours, you know, under five hours, they were pretty hammered at the end. Yeah, but I, I was, I was sixth or seventh from last on day one, and fifth from last on day two.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. so I was. Oh so, yeah, column A, column B. <laughs> Yeah, I,
0: I was kind of the, the, the minimal level of fitness required to finish this thing.
1: <laughs> so, and you were making a point on that, that I took you off of. So, um, and that uh, you, you had to train to, to, you were talking about training. Oh, I'm sorry. Kind yeah. Of like yeah. So,
0: uh, <laughs> the thing for me is like, I don't know how many of these I could do in a year. I could do two.
1: Right. I know I could do right. two in a year. I could maybe you do You would three. need more nap time. More nap time. You would have to build into your schedule. Um, maybe give my children up for adoption. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's okay. not a good option. That's not a, that's not a good option. The naps <laughs> sounded okay, but the children up for adoption is not okay. Yeah,
0: <laughs> there might be some but, other people who have something to say about that.
1: But I, I don't think that um, in, in all seriousness I I personally feel like two maybe three events not even that big are all you need like one a year of something that size Mm -hmm. is good right and then like you just scale down and find a couple of smaller and i think you've done that i think you just naturally did that with the grasshoppers in general
0: yeah yeah i mean each of those days is pretty special uh yeah nothing nothing quite like this though and honestly uh, tuesday's ride uh what am i saying sunday's ride that that course was as quintessentially a grasshopper as anything I've ever done in a grasshopper. I mean, we were on single track at one point, Jackson state. Forest.
1: I gotta come out. I gotta come out.
0: You gotta, you gotta, you gotta gotta bring some peace with you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cool.
0: Alrighty. Let's get on to paceline picks. What do you got? All right.
1: Well, unsurprisingly, I'm going to go with eight race win. Um, I'm going to go with Hannah's book. Uh, just because I think it's just such a, it's such a, a wonderful resource uh, for wherever you are in your athletic life. You know, I love her seasonal approach, the fresh foods. I think it's always great to learn how to make vegetables even better. I consider myself a pretty good cook with vegetables, but just new sauces and seasonings can go a long way. Mm. Um, Full disclosure, I make a cameo appearance in this book. I am one of her featured athletes, which I totally forgot all about. And she kept tagging me in all her Instagram posts. I'm like, why is she tagging me in all these posts? And then I open the book. I'm like, oh, that's because I'm in it. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, I totally forgot. I totally forgot about that, that she said that she was going to do that. Um, anyway, but she also offered our listeners 20% off that oh. they have a code. Yeah, that you can put... Um, for uh, Pod, 18 will be the code. You can put it on your the little link for our site. Yeah. And, yeah, people get a discount.
0: Oh, that's excellent. Cool. Uh, well, I'm certainly interested to, to take a look at the cookbook, um, and uh, it may inspire me to actually spend a little more uh, or put out a little more effort in the kitchen. Cool. Yeah.
1: What do you have for us?
0: My pick this week is Osmo Nutrition. Uh, I love Osmo
1: Nutrition.
0: <laughs> something Stacy Sims had a thing or two to do with as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I've featured CEO Ben Capron on the show before, interviewed He's him. He's lovely. Yeah, fun guy. Uh, yeah. And I've reviewed Osmo in the past. Uh, I did a piece all about the launch of the product way back when. Um, but, you know, this past weekend, I drank Osmo on the bike, uh, strictly. And mm-hmm. I'm beyond grateful for it. These days weren't super hot, but they were still pretty warm and conditions were dry. So getting dehydrated was something that, you know, you really ran a a risk of. You could have done it without really noticing. So hydration being, you know, really key. And then when you compound it by the fact that I was on the bike for 15 hours, you know, I'm just so pleased with myself that I nailed my hydration because I usually screw something up at some point. It's hard but to it on top of it yeah seven bottles a day uh, plus some extra drinks at the at the two rest stops per day um, the thing for me was that even as the bottles got warmer uh, from you know being on my bike for a while it was still really easy to drink the osmo I never got palate fatigue and I think about how many events I've been to over the years where they were mixing up country time lemonade. Or something (laughs) awful like one of those syrupy drinks that's loaded with maltodextrin, you know, that I just I can't digest even with an extra bottle of water. You know, it didn't hurt that there was an Osmo employee with their Sprinter van there to mix up the coolers full of the mix, you know, so that that ensured that the the solution was correct, that it wasn't too weak or too strong. You know, Uh, I'm even going to cop a slight confession here. At this point in my career as a reviewer of all things bicycling, I have stopped reviewing anything that doesn't stick with that 3% solution for optimal osmolality. And that's mm-hmm. the science on which Scratch and Osmo are both based. You know, yep. now that I understand and the Nune science. is in
1: that, too. Yep. Now. And
0: and uh, there have been a couple others reformulated to pursue that angle. Yep. Yep. Uh, But yeah, now that I understand that science and now that I've experienced firsthand how much better my body performs, I've Mm -hmm. just given up on everything else.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's reasonable.
0: Yeah. Cool. Alrighty. Well, that's a wrap for this episode of The Pace Line. Celine, what do you got this weekend? What do you
1: think I have this weekend, Patrick? Do you know what this weekend is? Uh, It's your favorite East Coast event. Oh, D2R2? Yes. (laughs) Oh, cool. It is D two R two weekend. Um, that's a kind of an inside joke for you guys out there. Patrick um, has thoughts about D two R two, but uh, it's a it's it's a very it's a kind of a crazy event in in Massachusetts Deerfield. Everybody gets lost all the time, and things often go wrong. But uh, we're all in it together, and it uh, it's it's kind of fun. So I we did the mystery route last year, which they don't announce until ten o'clock the night before. And okay. it was an absolute, absolute disaster last year. We we ended up lost in, bo- in bogs. Nobody knew, like, you couldn't even have a map to get out. We were on stuff that <laughs> it would have been hard to ride on a mountain bike, let alone on a gravel bike. And, of course, here we go again. Um, yes, back for more D2R2. You're going to do
0: the mystery route this time?
1: Yeah, of course. Like, oh. yeah, because... <laughs> Because I'm a goldfish, as we discussed in one of the previous podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Look, a castle. Look, I'm in the bog again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My buddy so I'll let Richard you know how Freem's,
0: it goes. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he likes saying that it's the best best event ever and the worst event
1: ever. And I'm Yeah, worst event, agreement. worst favorite yeah. event or something. Yeah. yeah.
0: I, you know, I mean, that is such a lovely part of the country, you know, for for people who've never had a chance to ride in Western Massachusetts. It's
1: amazing. Uh, it is. Yeah. Amazing.
0: And, you know, D2R2 will take you through terrain that is second to none. Uh, but you, you just, you got to be prepared for the, the fact that you're signing up for something on which you're largely on your own once you've signed up.
1: Kind of. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, and then maybe pack lights. Cause you, you never, really. I, I mean, we literally were chasing sunset last year, just like, barely made it and i didn't have lights i didn't think i'm gonna need lights for this thing but yeah we uh we were we were chasing the sun uh and and we made it and you know and then we had those beers and that cultural building experience that you were talking about earlier yeah um yeah so it's 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 good i and i'm i'm always uh i'm optimistic as always that that it will be different this time and i won't get lost and you know we'll see But it's going to be really interesting because I don't know if you remember some of those descents are truly gnarly. Like some of them are actually kind of scary. Um, they're on very steep, rutted out. You can get over your head quickly, kind of roads. Yeah, come do a grasshopper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That way. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. With the rains we've been having, apparently it's just sort of like suggestions of roads at this point. Yeah. If it's slick, Um, that could get real interesting in a hurry. So we'll see. Yeah, hmm. so that's what I'm up to. I'll let you know how it goes. Uh, if I'm if I'm not here next week, then um, then you know that I'm not ever coming back. But <laughs> <and yeah.
0: laughs> we'll send out a search party. Thank you. Okay. What do you do? What uh, do you got going on? Uh, you know, I'm gonna take it easy this weekend. Uh, taking the kids Sounds to the like amusement idea. park on Sunday, doing a mountain bike ride on Saturday. Uh, this is a this is a not push myself weekend. Cool. Perfect. I think I might have earned it.
1: Yeah, I would, that's what I would recommend.
0: <laughs> righty. Uh, before we go, I'd like to put in a plug for my other podcast, The Pull. The show features artisans talking about the craft in one-on-one interviews. Thank Terry Gross for the bike set. This week's guest is none other than Gary Fisher, mountain bike Ooh. pioneer and all-around badass if you don't really know his background. Finally... Please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with Celine Yeager. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.